Great worlds, welcome back. You can hear from the excitement in my voice. There's only two chapters left. I am very excited. I am not going to lie. I am a little bit tired. It is Wednesday in the first week of the holidays. I've spent approximately between 8 and 10 hours working on these podcasts. Now I'm not looking for any special recognition. Uh, every learner that's been in my class knows that I've changed the way that that I teach more than seven times more than seven times in the ten years that I have been teaching. I'm always looking for the next big thing that will improve my results. And we did see a fifteen percent jump with the grade twelve marks from paper one to paper two, and that was remarkable in the sense that paper two normally brings my results down. The second last chapter we'll be looking at tourism. And tourism is also a very easy chapter many of you listening to this podcast actually takes tourism as a subject so you'll be quite familiar with the terms and concepts that you will see in this chapter we'll just be linking it to the economy and we all know tourism is one of the the biggest job creators in the South African economy contributes a lot to GDP and it's also the biggest sector where there is a lot of room for growth so what we'll be looking at in this chapter We'll be looking at tourism, its definition, the different types of tourism. That's a, a, a segment that the learners don't actually are quite familiar with. We'll be measuring tourism. We're going to look at the reasons for the big growth in international and domestic tourism. We'll look at the effect tourism has on elements like GDP, employment, poverty, externalities in the environment and investments. We'll look at the benefits tourism holds for households, companies, the state itself and infrastructure development and then the interesting little concept that, that that pops his head out here and that many people are not very familiar with we'll look at the role indigenous knowledge systems play in tourism now i know you've got no idea what indigenous knowledge systems are as yet we'll look at that later in the chapter and then we end of the chapter with some policies related to the promotion of tourism Tourism in itself, the definition is a very popular one to ask. I think I've been marking the national exam now since 2013, and I've seen the definition of tourism probably three or four times popping up in the exam paper. Tourists travel to foreign countries for holidays, business, conferences, and to discover more about other countries. People also travel in their own countries where they discover far-lying areas in their own country provinces in in areas that they have never discovered before when is an activity seen as tourism and when will an activity be able to define as tourism there has to be a purpose for the visit or activity like let's say you go to cape town for holidays if you uh, target maybe ratanga junction i don't even know if that's still open yet but you are gonna go to table mountain see that's a reason why you're in cape town See, they will be defined as tourism. There is no remuneration involved. You won't go to a place and earn money because then you're actually going there to work. The minimum length of the stay is one night. You have to stay over and the maximum is one year. The moment you stay over a year, you'll be classified as living there. So more than one night, less than a year, for a reason, without payment, you'll be seen as a tourist. And you also have to travel 160 kilometers from your home environment. Now, I don't know how they made up that stat. It's just a fact that you have to study. But for instance, many of you 
go visit your boyfriends in dispatch over the weekend that will not be seen as tourism because you didn't go far away now now you say well i am going there for a reason it is one night and i'm not getting payment see you might have thought that's tourism but it's not tourism because you have to travel 160 kilometers so that's the definition of tourism and some activities that you need to meet in order for it to be classified as tourism and please note they can also write those things down in the definition when if you ask you for definition of tourism you can say it's an activity where people travel domestically or internationally for specific reasons there's no payment involved it's longer than one night and shorter than a year and more than 160 kilometers if you even write just one or two of those i'm sure you'll get enough marks for the definition of tourism what are the different types of tourism you get leisure and recreation tourism you get cultural tourism ecotourism business and professional and other forms of tourism so there's five types of tourism let's quickly look at each one of them individually leisure and recreation tourists come to south africa on holiday to play sport to visit friends and to see other tourist attractions you get to leisure you get for recreation purposes cultural tourism if tourists come specifically with the the aim to visit museums and art galleries examples like robin island and the apartheid museum that's all culturally linked types of uh, settings so that will be classified as cultural tourism your ecotourist visits the undisturbed natural areas for example the richtersfeld cultural and botanical landscape or maybe the cape floral region protected areas like that and maybe the kruger national park if you come to visit undisturbed natural areas where you want to enjoy nature that's referred to as ecotourism business and professional tourists you visit certain countries just for business meetings and conference and obviously you'll go out for business lunches and suppers but you will be identified as a tourist but it will be a business and a professional tourism and then your other forms of tourism could be for studies if you're studying in australia you'll be considered a tourist but you will be there for specific purpose you'll be there for studies so you'll be cl uh, classified as other tourism measuring tourism we actually just mentioned that how do you measure or how do you define what is a tourist they repeat it again here in your in your mind the gap you have to visit for a reason there's been no no payment one night shorter than a year and you have to travel 160 kilometers what is the reasons for the rapid growth in tourism over the last couple of years it has just boomed in the last decade there are many reasons for this and a couple of them could be there's been a, a general increase in disposable income of households there's less working hours so more time to travel we've been very focused on labor laws recently which are which are very strict on you're only allowed to work a certain amount of hours per day week and a year people are more aware of leisure and recreation for example i spoke to a lady that actually um, retired now recently and um, she said I was, I was complaining the one day about not having any time for myself because i'm just working then i go home and it's just the kids it's like i've almost lost myself in a sense and uh, she looked at me like i was crazy and she said that when they were growing up there were no such thing as people worried about time for ourselves 
which is which is interesting because we had a point in time where everyone is very self-aware. Everyone's like always complaining about how tired they are and how they don't have enough time to do all the things they want to do. We've become more aware of the need to leisure, that's rest and for recreation, to do things that we enjoy and not work. And that is one of the big reasons for the increase in tourism. Improved transport and communication, that's a big one. 20, 50, 20, 30, 50 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to, to travel as easy as you can today. It's, it's just uh, available. It's still relatively expensive if you are South African, but it's, it's, it has become a lot more afford affordable and the options are so much more and it's so much more regular. You don't have to wait as long for transport. And because the communication is so good, you can drop an email now and make a booking at a place to stay in Australia. You can go onto internet now and start applying for your visa. So it's become a lot more convenient communication-wise. People enjoy the benefits of holidays and travel. It's easy to obtain foreign exchange these days. It's very easy to convert your rand into dollars or to Australian dollars. And then uh, tourism is, is much more evident in the developed and in the developing world, but tourism is growing faster in developing countries. Now, I just want to come out there that I think the reason that developed countries' inhabitants uh, enjoy visiting developing countries, there could be a couple of reasons. I'm going to say my personal opinion here quickly. Uh, it could be to experience a third world country, to see um, how they compare to where you come from, and it might give you a bigger sense of appreciation where you live. But the biggest reason was probably is because it's so much cheaper to come here because most developed countries exchange rate is so much stronger than the South African Rand for instance so it's so cheap for them to come here and enjoy all the benefits so those are your reasons your main reasons for the the growth in tourism so what effects what have the effects of tourism been how's tourism affected variables like infrastructure, GDP, employment, the environment, externalities, and poverty. What has the effect been? Let's take a look on employment. In South Africa, tourism employs about 7% of South Africa's workforce. That's roughly 1.1 million people. That is not to be frowned upon. So tourism definitely is one of the biggest job creators in the country. Tourism is the largest provider for jobs because it is labor intensive. It uses people. It's not very uh, prone to use machines as in the industrial world. It employs many different types of skills. You, you need guides. You need to tell staff. You need people with knowledge of specific areas. So it, 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 the range of people they need to employ is, is much larger. Let's say for, for, for education, for instance, where you need to have a teacher, you have to have a teacher's degree, and you must teach a subject. There you go. You must be able to teach. You must have the knowledge of a subject. Where tourism employs a wide range from no skills whatsoever to professionals. And tourism provides immediate employment. So you can get a job immediately at a guest house or a hotel or in a, in a game park. It provides entrepreneurial opportunities. How many people are, don't work for big companies like hotels, but they work in the surrounding areas selling selling artifacts and South African... South African uh, little types of uh, arts and crafts. There's a, a big opportunity for 
entrepreneurs to come to the to the front here how many times have you seen in big tourist attractions where there's like local musicians who sit down with a guitar and a hat and that's all in entrepreneurial opportunities that stem from tourism tourism is the larger largest earner of foreign exchange because tourists pay for services tourists usually spend more than local tourists because tourism no tourists normally come with a lot of money so that that's a big injection into our economy and it's also then a big a big reason that we need as many tourists as possible because it also is then a foreign exchange earner for the country so that's employment what impact has tourism had on gdp well you can just from employment if you can see it's such a big employer it employs seven percent of the workforce you can just imagine what impact has had on gdp the economic growth of a country tourism has the biggest impact on the services industry now that's in your tertiary sector it's got an indirect contribution as well tourism is a service-based industry so it's responsible for about 65 percent of the gdp in developed economies 40 percent of the gdp in developing countries that is a shocking statistic listen to that tourism itself us hosting international people and just showing them a good time letting them look at our animals which is basically free because our animals are here if we look after them and not not kill them all they want to come to our beaches they want to they want to visit our mountains and those are all indigenous things that belong to us uh, those 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 attractions exist whether we exploit them or not and just for because people want to come see them 40 percent of our gdp is earned from that so that's massive it's got a direct contribution Tourism contributes about uh, seven seven point nine percent of GDP in South Africa. Okay, so let's go back there. Now it might sound confusing because I just said it contributes forty percent of GDP. But please note the previous bullet point states that to the service industry. Now when you look at the tertiary sector, you've got your markets where you purchase goods and services, and then you have your services sector that purely provides services. Forty percent of that component is from tourism okay but in total the total contribution of tourism to the economy is 7.9 percent which is still it's massive you're talking billions almost 10 percent of our entire economic growth is based on tourism so that's tourism's effect on gdp poverty poverty goes hand in hand with economic growth and with employment because if you have a big surge in tourism you'll have a big surge in economic growth and when you have a big surge in economic growth you will have an increase in production which in itself will create employment opportunities so not only does the tourism industry itself create immediate employment there will also be a lot of direct jobs being created around that and when those jobs get created then you will have a massive decrease in poverty People will get jobs in the tourism industry. They'll be earning salaries and wages. And with that salaries and wages, they'll be going to spend that money in the circular flow. So it actually has a little bit of a multiply effect, if you can if you can say it like that, because tourism will spend their money. That money that they spend on tourist attractions will become the income for, for people that work in the industries. And those people then go spend those income, that income they earned in our circular flow. So big reduction in poverty based on tourism tourism is a fast and effective way to develop underdeveloped areas as well because tourists mostly want to go see at times underdeveloped areas 
that provides a massive opportunity for the government to develop the infrastructure in and around those areas. So if you think about it, when the government develops infrastructure in underdeveloped areas, not only will they be creating jobs while they are doing that, the locals themselves will also be able to benefit from that infrastructure and then more businesses will be willing to expand to those areas because of the development of infrastructure. So it's a massive, it's a massive benefit for poverty, not only the job creation, but all the elements that surround that as well. Externalities, you learned in grade 10 and externality is a third party effect or a spillover effect. And in grade 12, we spend a lot of time looking at externalities in the chapter with market failures. Now, tourism have also has some positive externalities and negative externalities. Now, let's quickly dissect those two. Tourism attracts large amount of revenue. Not only going to affect the tourism industry, but it's going to affect the locals as well, positively. Tourism leads to an improvement in infrastructure. Not only is the, the infrastructure developed for tourists, but the locals will benefit, positive. Tourism can stimulate employment directly and indirectly. Positive. Tourism can help conserve cultural and natural assets and alleviate poverty. That's a big one. Conserve meaning can protect cultural identity because many tourism tourists come here to experience our culture. So that also means that we have to cultivate that culture and protect that culture so it can still be exploited i don't want to say the word exploited so it, it's still accessible for tourists and the same with the natural assets like we have to look after the kruger national park we have to look off table mountain because they, those are two massive tourism attractions negative what could the negatives be can there be negative externalities linked to tourism let's take a look tourism can cause environmental damage if not managed properly if you have too many tourists coming here and you do not have efficient systems in place to deal with all the refuge and the demand for sewage and water, it can have a very bad effect on the habitats surrounding those tourism attractions. Tourism can result in a lot of waste and damage to sensitive tourist sites. Once again, we have to cultivate those cultures and natural assets, but we also have to conserve them and keep them in use for future generations. The infrastructure tourists uh, normally use comes under severe pressure if they're overused and they have to be maintained properly. And tourism can lead to increased prices for locals. I must tell you, I'll be honest with you, these aren't very big game breakers. If you compare the negatives with the positives, the positives outweigh the negatives by a long shot. I cannot ever vouch for that last bullet point there. If you look at in Port Elizabeth, if you go to the boardwalk, have you ever been to those clothing shops or arts and craft shops. Us locals can't purchase things there. It is ridiculously high prices, but it, it, it's specifically aimed at, at the tourists. So I can understand how tourism can lead to increased prices for, for locals for certain products. They just mentioned the, the negative effect tourism can have on the environment. And the next subtopic under the effects of tourism, we'll be looking at the environment. Tourism can create environmental stress. There's a, a permanent restructuring of landscape for construction for the, in the name of tourism if people are developing infrastructure around tourism uh, attractions. So you have to be very careful at um, what you do. You most probably will do a cost-benefit analysis and you'll do probably do an environmental study 
to assess what damage you'll be doing when you develop an infrastructure, especially when it's around sensitive areas that are normally uh, protected by laws. There will be a lot of additional waste, biological like sewage and non-biological like litter, waste from tourism. There will be a direct environmental stress, the loss of wildlife species due to, due to hunting. Don't forget here, we just mentioned that people come to look at the big five, but it's also a, a, a big a big contingency of people that come here that actually want to hunt animals. They go to game farms to hunt impala and buck and those type of things. So we also have to be very careful that we don't cause envir environmental stress on the animals. And then there's uh, effects on populations. Many people try to move to areas where they know that there's a big need for for tourism activities so there's a huge migration and you will recognize that in my previous podcast I have stressed that we face a very big problem with the amount of people that has that have migrated to the cities everyone's looking for jobs and opportunities in the economy but we should fo be focusing on developing those areas take the economy to them now tourism has got the same effect people will migrate to where there are employment opportunities the last effect we'll be looking at is investments Investments should be made in tourism attractions. They should be world-class. Tourists should want to come to South Africa and experience it and they, they shouldn't fear for their safety. Because, and we know that's a, a difficult one to get by because we are a very, very violent economy, but tourism still flock here in their numbers because it is an absolutely beautiful country. So investments, you need to have enough hotels, you need to have enough ATMs, you need to have enough water and electricity. Those last two is a little bit dodgy, especially if you go to Cape Town and we were threatened now with load shedding, not so recently. Uh, but you have to also focus on your transport, your public transport. Can you see your tourist climbing onto a metro train? I'm sorry, I just can't. I know many tourists actually insist on getting on a taxi. They want to experience it because our taxis are, are world-renowned. And I don't know if it's always for a good thing for good reasons but people want to but people want to drive in taxis when it comes to South africa that's that's one of the treats they want to go onto a south african taxi you have to make sure your communication is up to scratch your telephone lines your internet your wi-fi you have to make sure your energy is up to scratch for uh, tourism tourist sites and then your basic services clean water and refuse removal is of utmost importance you need to invest so tourism has had a uh, big effect in those areas because of the, the amount of tourism tourists we get the government has spent a lot of money on those different elements so that in total is your effects on tourism now i must say that's quite a mouthful i'm going to put it out there early in the chapter that i've got a sneaky suspicion that when we go look at the exam guidelines the effects of tourism we are sure to see that as a possible SA question, no doubt. After the effects of tourism, another big component of this chapter will be looking at the reasons. Not reasons, sorry, we've already looked at the reasons. We looked at the reasons for tourism. We looked at the effects of tourism. And now we're looking at the benefits of tourism. But it's important to note that many of the benefits would have also have been mentioned under the effects of tourism, but there are some clear distinctions. What are some of the benefits of tourism? And we'll be looking at the benefits for 
households, businesses, infrastructure, and government. Now, I'm not even going to look at the book here. I told you this chapter is easy. I'm even looking at just those four concepts, households, and I'm not going to look at the book. And I want you to test yourself as well, because I told you this is an easy, an easy chapter. What benefits do you think tourism have as for households? Okay, number one, job creation, entrepreneurial opportunities, and obviously with job creation, it means an increase in standard of living, an increase in cons consumption expenditure, and uh, then also an increase in economic activity. Those, for me, is the possible benefits tourism will have in for households. Companies, a big opportunity to expand your business, to employ more people, to earn more profit, and definitely maybe also look at different types of avenues you can get into business with, maybe, like I said, branch out. Infrastructure, we all benefit directly from infrastructure that is being developed for tourism for the reason that infrastructure, infrastructure creates jobs, it attracts more business that will set up their companies surrounding the infrastructure. It is also beneficial to us because we also end up using that same that same uh, infrastructure for when we want to travel and also visit tourism sites. And the government, oh, don't even have to, to, to think hard about this one. Tourism is a massive income earner for government because it creates direct taxes for from VAT. It, it creates income tax for people that work in the tourism industry so it's clear to see why government would definitely have spent a lot of money on transport and communication and tourism destinations because it's a, it's a big income earner for government so let's see what the book says let's see how far off old mr arian was benefits of tourism for households more people earn salaries and wages more job opportunities infrastructure built for tourists will be also available for us uh, that's a, that's not and one other than think of uh, increase in skills because if you find employment you can often get training so you can increase your skills as well businesses uh, the basic service infrastructure required for tourism is provided for the public sector which businesses then can use tourism needs superstructure which consists of companies that provide accommodation there we go I said branching out transport build attractions retailing and recreation services you need these services to be provided by the private sector you need PPPs, that's a very important one. You need public and private sector partnerships where the, the government works together with the private sector to supply all the needs for tourism and obviously employment opportunities. Government, the main benefit of government is they can recover cost to compensate the host community for providing infrastructure. Now listen yeah. I wish I read that sentence before I stated it in this podcast because that makes no sense to me. Let me just read that again with you. External cost to compensate the host community for providing infrastructure. Okay, okay. So the government's basically saying is for disrupting the lives of communities because let's be honest, building infrastructure is a big, big disruption. Just note that whenever they've exp expanded the road in your area or put in fiber lines or build a bridge or anything, it is chaos for a good couple of months. So the government is saying that, yes, we're disrupting things now to build this infrastructure for the tourism, but your payment will come when the tourist comes because then the job opportunities will come. Okay. And the second one is easy, raise revenue. 
tourists are seen as part of the overall tax base of the government so they create uh, create not create but they earn a lot of tax revenue from tourism infrastructure development residents and visitors that enjoy adequate and well-maintained infrastructure benefit from tourism right so we have considered tourism the definition we have looked at the reasons for the rapid growth in tourism we have taken into account the effects of tourism on many variables in the economy and now we've just discussed the benefits of tourism and like i said many of the the same effects were repeated so let's look at south africans south africa's tourism profile what are the most popular tourism attractions in our country and what are some of the stats that we know it's interesting to note that 94% of tourists that come to our countries and 2% of that is for business the major attractions are coast wildlife and scenery so they either go to the want to see the beaches they want to experience the wildlife or they want to visit places of spectacular scenery so that's very important to note and then we mentioned indigenous knowledge now indigenous knowledge what is indigenous knowledge that is knowledge that is specifically linked to an area for instance a flower that only grows in south africa which is the protea that is an indigenous plant okay that's why it's known as an indigenous plant now the same with indigenous knowledge we have we have so many different cultures here from the Khoisan, which is indigenous to South africa we've got zulus yes the zulus came from other countries but they are predominantly in south africa at the moment zulus then leblele we've got isikosa we've got venda sutu it just goes on and on and on so those are all indigenous knowledge systems that belong to south africa now they've got their own cultures and beliefs and rituals and tourists want to experience that they want to experience what those different cultures and religions believe in and how they they practice those those beliefs throughout throughout their lives and still be part of a mainstream economy which is a very interesting topic on its own and then apart from the indigenous knowledge they want to understand the indigenous culture history and environment they seek authentic unique destinations they want to see how the local people live and work and the Khoisan are among the world's oldest people and their way of life is of interest to many foreign foreign tourists some of the major world heritage sites we have in south africa is uh, in limpopo we've got the friedefort uh, dome in the free state and northwest we've got the static fontaine caves we've got robin island and we've got richtersfeld cultural and botanical landscape and that, that is important to note that those aren't just tourist destinations that's world heritage sites so they are recognized all over the world we also have some environmental world heritage sites which is like for example the easy mangliliso wetland park we've got the cape feinbos region and the unklamba drakensberg drakensberg park so those are also environmental world heritage sites i think i just completely destroyed that last one there Uka Hlamba. Hey, I think Mr. Harrion got it. Here we go. But those are your world heritage sites and your environmental world heritage sites. We end off this chapter with 
just looking at a couple of tourism policy suggestions. What policies on paper do we have that is aimed at promoting promoting tourism? How do we market tourism? South Africa Tourism was created to promote tourism internationally. So that's it's a company, actually a, a, a society called SA Tourism. And they were established with the aim of promoting tourism internationally and nationally. Okay, so what do they try to do? They want to encourage the locals to to travel more in our own country and they want to attract international tourists here by making sure they get their value for their money. They want the world in one country, South Africa's political miracle, the weather, safety, the friendliness of South Africa's people, the cleanliness and tranquility, peace of our tourist destinations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I, I really don't. Let's just <laughs> let's just break this down quickly, okay? So SA Tourism was created to promote tourism. Okay, so marketing, their marketing initiatives. They try to ensure South Africa is selected as a tourism destination for, for foreigners. Okay, and they want foreigners to visit for the following reasons. Sorry, this is probably why I started laughing. Okay, let's start from the top value for money that we have it's cheap to come here compared to international countries for an australian or an american or anyone from europe with a euro to come here it's a, it's it's cheap so you'll definitely benefit from the superior exchange rate for example if you are from the uk your the pound is what now the last time i saw it was like 17 18 rand a, a, a pound so when if a person from the uk comes here they bring one pound and they almost get 20 bucks. You just imagine. So they come here with a thousand, maybe five thousand pounds. I'm telling you, they almost got 50, 60,000 rand just to have a good time here in South Africa. Okay. That's a lot of money. Okay. So we get that. We've got the world in one country. I'm going to agree with that. We've got oceans. We've got some of the most amazing wildlife in the world. We've got 11 official languages. So, yes, we've got from deep, deep rural to first world country, Cape Town and Johannesburg and Durban, Port Elizabeth. So yes, the world in one country. South Africa's political miracle, you're going to have to agree on that. We are the only country in history that got out of massive oppression, which was apartheid, without a civil war. That's important to note. Every other country in the world where there's ever been oppression or anything in those sorts along the lines of racial, religion, and uh, when it comes to just playing down to skin color, has almost led to a civil war 99% of the time. We are the only country that avoided that. That is a miracle. The weather, we've got amazing weather. We've got hot, sunny coastlines. We've got snow. We've got everything. So the weather is great. Um, this is probably where I started laughing. Uh, safety. Now, I will definitely not be promoting South Africa's safety to a tourist anytime soon. So there's a big negative. And actually, a while ago, on the Australian uh, news website, they actually had a, a warning out for Australians visiting South Africa. Can you believe it? They actually identify South Africa as a, a very dangerous destination to go have holiday in. That's very, very scary, and that really paints a, a, a bleak picture of South Africa. The friendliness of South African people, 
We're a friendly bunch. I'll give that to us. We're not that bad. Yes, we've got got a lot of lot of hate in us. There's a, a lot of entitlement and jealousy, and a lot of hate still along racial lines. But for the most part, those of us who work together, we we, we get along pretty well. So I'll give us that. So I'll give us all the ticks, and we've got one negative safety. Cleanliness? No, definitely not a clean country. And tranquility of our tourist destinations. Okay, let's put let's put that together. If you're talking about the cleanliness and tranquility of the tourist destinations, then I'll give us a tick. Okay, so all in all, all all positive, just the safety negative. Beautiful. So how else do we try to promote try to promote tourism? We look at spatial distribution. We try to create bodies and we try to improve marketing and improve supporting services that will benefit tourism. Taxation, we try to not be too heavy uh, tax related on tourism. We try not to be to tax them too heavily. Uh, obviously they can't avoid that, but you want to uh, make it sure that tourism is uh, affordable, especially when it comes to nature reserves, um, that entry charges to the gate and all these things. It should be in place, it's a big revenue earner, but also that shouldn't chase away possible possible tourism. And infrastructure, very important. You need to develop effective infrastructure, but I think that was a, that was a running theme right through this chapter. I don't think we have to uh, dive back into that. I will say this, um, I'm a little bit concerned that there wasn't a lot more policies mentioned there. Let me look at your exam guidelines. I'm gonna jump right into the final section uh, broadly outlined the Department of Tourism's policies. Yes, we mentioned marketing, spatial distribution, yes, taxing infrastructure. All right, that seems that all they need. On that note, let's look at your exam guidelines. Let's see what this chapter has in store for us. Broadly describe the relevant concepts of tourism, the types of tourism, and how we measure what is a tourist. Okay, so you can just broadly describe that. There's definitions and short questions. You have to be able to briefly discuss the reasons for growth in tourism. Then you would probably look at eight more questions and additional parts to an essay where they briefly discuss. discuss. Here's your two essays. The effects of tourism and the benefit of tourism. Okay, And they are very similar, so they should study nice and easy. You must examine in detail the effects of tourism, the effects on GDP, employment, poverty, externalities, environment, and investment. And you should also be able to discuss in an essay format the benefit of tourism on households, businesses, the state, which is the government, and the infrastructure development. Two very, very easy essays, I must say. Without even studying for it, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to thumb suck some facts there. Now, I'm not saying don't study. I'm just saying that I won't be too unhappy if I open my national paper at the end of the year and I see an essay question on tourism. So the Africa's profile, you should be able to, to shortly discuss um, why tourists want to, would want to visit South Africa, what are the local destinations they would like to visit. We mentioned the indigenous knowledge system there at the end. And under local destinations, we have mentioned the World Heritage Sites and the Environmental Heritage Sites. And they also look at your local tourism, where local tourists tend to go. And at the end of the chapter, I've already mentioned this, the policy suggestions, how the Department of Tourism tries to promote tourism. Grade 12s, you have got one 
chapter lift environmental sustainability take life seriously but don't forget to have some fun